You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcast. We've got quite the weekend to recap. The Pelicans beat the Cleveland Cavaliers on Friday pretty convincingly, and then had an Interesting game with a lot of good and bad against the Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to spend the entirety of the show and we'll briefly touch on some injury news uh, covering those two games and what it means for the Pelicans, particularly the Laker game where there is a lot of takeaways and a lot of, you know, kind of Monday morning quarterbacking or point guarding to do when it comes to it. So let's dive into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's start on Friday, the good game where the Pelicans basically just mopped the floor with the Cleveland Cavaliers, running out to a 43-25 to point lead um, after the first quarter and basically just cruising the rest of the way. It, it was pretty easy going, and the Cavs put up very little resistance to what the Pelicans wanted to do. They had 72 points in the paint, basically pretty much led by Zion Williamson and his 24 points on the night, 11 of 16 shooting. You had Brandon Ingram go for 20. 29 points as well on 11 of 19 shooting. And then Drew Holiday did exceptionally well in this one, 22 points on a 10 of 16 shooting. When those three guys are going to put up that many points, you're going to win the game. And they did just kind of going away. This game's notable. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time on the Pelicans wrecking the Cavaliers, the terrible, terrible Cavaliers. But it's worth noting that Zion kept going inside repeatedly and the Cavs had no answer whatsoever for it. There's ways and reasons to knock Zion Williamson. We'll do so in the next segment a little bit while also praising him. But when you look at what he's doing at 19 years old and kind of in command of his offensive game like this, well then, I don't really know what you're supposed to complain about. He did whatever he wanted in this one, and that's exactly what you want to see out of him. Most 19-year-olds, this and this was his 14th NBA game, keep that in mind, aren't this good. Should you really be complaining about this sort of stuff in production form? And I don't think so. Nicolo Melli, by the way, 10 points off the bench. Each one more, 10 off the bench. You didn't need much else. The Cleveland Cavaliers got some points from Colin Sexton, 31 on the night. And basically, that was it. And the Pelicans, again, did what they wanted. 23 points in the fast break, 17 second chance points. And that was all she wrote for the terrible Cleveland Cavaliers. This was a good game for a number of reasons other than Zion just kind of doing his thing. And it was that he and Brandon Ingram were able to coexist, which has been a slight bit of concern of mine. And you've seen Ingram's role change a little bit when he's out there on the court with Zion, as it should and is to be expected, to be fair. But sometimes he's a little bit more of a spot-up three-point shooter than you'd like. At times, he just doesn't seem to have that assertiveness, that aggressiveness when Zion is out there. And that really does happen even more so when Derek Favors is out there on the court. And the spacing isn't looking the best, despite the lineups being very good. So I can see why his role changes. And then, of course, once you sub Nicolo Melli and things open up and things get a little bit different. 
But it was good to see that they both can have these nights where one scores 29, one scores 24, and you just run roughshod over an opponent. So cool to see. We saw this happen on that Tuesday game against the Lakers, too, where they played exceptionally well together. And it looked like maybe they're kind of building something here together, though this does and maybe the Lakers are a bit of an outlier, fall apart on the next night. So we'll get to that coming up here in the next segment. So don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all breaking down everything you want to know about this team. And frankly, there is a whole lot going on around this team. So it is a lot of fun to be a Pelicans fan, despite the loss to the Lakers and everything else kind of going on around this franchise. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, tell a friend about the show and please leave a five-star review with a comment that goes a long way towards helping keep this free in five days a week for you all. So, Locked On Pelicans, wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, so we had the Cavaliers game where the Pelicans just cruised to a win, and then you had the Los Angeles Lakers game, the fourth and final matchup with the Lakers, a 122-114 loss for your New Orleans Pelicans, dropping to the Pelicans to three games out of the eighth seed. This one was one that had a slight bit more importance to it since the Lakers the night before lost to the Memphis Grizzlies and then beating the Pelicans, that's a one-game swing in the standings, which, you know, with 22 games left to go, is somewhat significant. I don't think anyone expected them to necessarily win this game, though, with how close the game was on Tuesday and the fact that Anthony Davis and the immortal Alex Caruso were out certainly made you feel like New Orleans should get this one. They ultimately didn't. You kind of saw why due to the uh, greatness of LeBron James. But certainly this this is a loss that stings. Lakers, no one really likes, so that makes it a little bit worse too. But if you were to look at this on the schedule and kind of take you know that thousand-mile perspective on it, you would have just called it a schedule loss. So I don't know if it's the end of the world and worthy of a lot of the outrage that I'm seeing sort of around places with it. So the Pelicans were in this one. You know, they had the lead multiple times. That lead evaporated. They took it back. It evaporated again. And they really struggled down the stretch in the fourth quarter, um, losing the fourth quarter 29-19 to 19, ugh, against the Lakers in ultimately, you know, what is an eight-point game. So that's a 10-point swing in the fourth quarter right there. So there you go. So this was... A fun game, to be honest, to start there. So the scene for this game was something. You had Pat McAfee coming in to do the player intros, which was really fun, doing his kind of WWE impression of everything. You had Red Panda at halftime. Just crowd pleasers all the way around. I've never seen tickets on the secondary market at the prices they were for basically everywhere in the arena at about 630 there was nothing in the upper bowl left on StubHub, which is pretty incredible to see as well so things were really selling people really wanted to go to this game now a lot of those people are or recently have become i should say lakers fans and you saw a lot of purple and gold in there and a lot of people cheering for the Lakers. And my God, are those fans at times super obnoxious. And this is coming from a longtime Laker fan in me who's from L.A. but never would have acted like that, who, who bows down to LeBron James when he makes a three in the stands um, in a section of people. And it always makes me laugh when I see Lakers fans getting bounced out of seats that they are wrongfully sitting in that aren't theirs. Besides the point. So this was a pretty packed arena. It was a hard sellout. Standing room only tickets sold out 
obstructed view tickets sold out. Every other seat sold out. So literally every spot in the house sold out. So people knew that this was a big game. And frankly, the Lakers are good and they have LeBron James. So the scene was really set for a big Pelicans win potentially and what that would mean in kind of galvanizing the fan base together. It just wasn't meant to be. So you saw a lot of good in this game. Zion Williamson did his thing and you can't even feel like he had a very good night. 35 points on the night, seven rebounds, only two offensive, which I like. He was 12 of 16 shooting. That is 75%. 11 of 13 from the free throw line, 85%. He did have six turnovers, but it's not the end of the world, I guess. And he was good. And he showed you that he can score basically over anybody in the league. And at one point on the baseline in the second half, he got the ball, sorry, in the first half, got the ball and just kind of power dribbled all the way down, backing dudes up and scored over him and shows you it again, 19 years old. This dude is doing some, it's not unprecedented things because He's got other people in the conversation and other names that he's linked to when you kind of look at some of the statistical oddities that he has. But when those names are Larry Bird, when those names are names are Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, and literally all-time greats, there's not a whole lot to criticize him on, even if he's not the only one that's ever done this, and it's those other guys that have done it too. So he was really, really good in this game, and you had to have really liked what you saw from him. Lonzo Ball was also excellent in this one. 19 points on the night, 9 assists, 9 rebounds, very close to a triple-double, just three turnovers, three steals as well. When this team was running out in transition, and they were doing that a lot, and you saw this against the Cavaliers too, Oh my God, is he just so freaking good. When the lane is open and he's in transition, he'll drive an attack. And when he does that, and he had some really quick layups at the basket um, over this, or at least tried to, he's good, man. Like, there's no other way to put it. Dude is great in transition. When things stall in the half court a little bit, it's not as good. But he still was pretty effective tonight, making the right pass. The three-point shooting wasn't there. He's one of seven from that. That's why his 19 points uh, came on 15 shots. But what he gives you in transition when guys are leaking out and running after a defensive board, particularly if he gets that defensive board, no team can stop that. And you saw a couple of Drew Brees touchdown passes that he threw in this one. Um, and maybe he's going to make the claim that if Teddy Bridgewater leaves, no one else is upset because you could just sub Lonzo Ball in there with some of the passing. He looked good. There's another way to put it. These are two really good games that he's had for the Pelicans, even if that three-point shot isn't falling. He was also four of six from the free throw line. I'll take 67% from him. That is unbelievable. And the fact that he got that many attempts, also really good and really exciting to see. As a whole, the Pelicans had 22 points in the fast break, 64 points in the paint. Basically matching the Lakers on points in the paint, actually beating them out with that. Um, But it was turnovers that kind of really hurt them and let the Lakers get out and run more. The Lakers had 33 points in transition in this game. So those are the good things. Those two guys playing well and, frankly, getting solid performances out of them is going to carry you pretty far. But the rest of the crew, it was a struggle. And look, it should be a struggle on some of it. And let's talk about that coming up here in the next segment. 
So we'll get into the bad and the LeBron James stuff and how the hell do you defend that dude? Um, If I knew the answer to that, I'd have a lot of money. It would probably be a coach. But before we do that, I went live on Twitch from my own Twitch channel, not the Pelicans Twitch channel before the game, hanging out courtside with a bunch of people having some fun before a huge game like this. And during warmups, we usually kind of all just chill courtside, watch guys uh, get ready and kind of talk through basketball ideas together. And it's been a lot of fun. So I figured let's throw a camera in front of that. So it's twitch.com slash Nola underscore Jake. We'll probably do this again. Cause I've learned my phone can stream live from the arena and it's a doable thing. You can watch Zion warm up. You can watch other guys warm up too. I was there with Gus Kattengill of ESPN radio, Jordan Kleiber of ESPN radio, Sharif Ishak of WDSU, Andrew Lopez of ESPN.com made an appearance. Uh, David Grubb of hard in the paint on sports 1280 was in there. Aaron Hardigan of Fox Sports Southwest hopped on with us for a little bit. Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com. Daniel Salerson of Pelicans.com and the Pelicans Radio Broadcast, as well as Todd Graffinini, the radio voice of your New Orleans Pelicans. We all hung out and had some fun talking hoops while watching Zion warm up and do some other cool things. You can see it still. It's saved on there on Twitch, twitch.com slash Nola underscore Jake. Give me a follow on there because we'll probably do it again because we all kind of had a good time and it was pretty cool. So a lot of fun to do it. Make sure you follow me on Twitch because we will definitely be live before a game again doing just this. All right, so the way I've kind of structured today's show, we're doing kind of like a good and bad thing, which I don't actually think is the right way to kind of go about it. You know, the the good clearly was Zion and Zoe's performances, and you had to like what you saw out of them and the fact that they hung tough with the Lakers team. Um, other notes from this game that are probably good too, I don't think the uh, refs were bad in this, like some people were complaining about. Hell, the Lakers took just 10 free throw attempts. Zion Williamson had 13 by himself, um, and this team took 33 compared to their 10. So things, you know, that's a good sign, frankly, if you really, really think about it. So all, overall, this was kind of a fine game. But what's interesting about it is LeBron James and what the hell do you do with him because that dude, my God, is a force. Now, we've been saying this for basically his whole career. But this was a game where the Lakers did not have Alex Caruso, which, look, to be honest, doesn't matter a ton. And they don't have Anthony Davis. So LeBron James is clearly the focal point here. And... They had kind of a different strategy on defending him. A couple days ago in L.A., it was Drew Holiday on him the majority of the time, but the Pelicans started out with Brandon Ingram on there, maybe wanting that length to kind of disrupt him. And Holiday not being on him is kind of key for another thing, which we'll talk about in a moment. But LeBron James, at times, was just kind of going one-on-one against Pelicans players and scoring at will. This guy had 34 points on the night, and he did it on 14 of 21 shooting. It was also three of five from deep. So if he's only taken five shots from deep and he's taken 21, the majority of these are coming inside because he could just kind of drive on guys when you put a guy like Josh Hart on an island. And at a key point in the, I forget if it was the third or fourth quarter, Josh Hart defended him three or four times in a row and he scored on him every single time. We love Josh Hart. Throwing him just alone on an island against LeBron It's asking for LeBron to score on him, and he did. He's going to do that on anybody, too. This is not a knock on Josh Hart and his defense. If anyone was a like hardcore LeBron stopper, dude's going to get paid a ton of money by any team thinking they're going to play LeBron in the playoffs. These guys just don't exist. LeBron is that good. This is easily either the best player of all time or the second best player of all time. His floor is second best player of all time. 
or like the modern era. So struggling to defend him isn't a surprise and like you shouldn't be upset over this sort of thing, but it's kind of the way the Pelicans went about it. Letting him just go one-on-one and doing what he did and having him go 14 of 21, that's 67%, probably isn't the way to do it. They just weren't doubling him nearly as much as I thought they were going to after LeBron put up 40 on Tuesday night against this team. Now, if you double him and get the ball out of his hands and make other guys beat you, you know, you kind of shrug and go, okay, Kyle Kuzma beat us. And Kuzma had 20 points in this game. Or Danny Green beat us. Danny Green had 10 points. Avery Bradley, 10. Um, KCP, 13. You had Markeith Morris with 10 off the bench. Like, if those guys beat you, like, so be it. And for everyone saying, so it, now here's the flip side of it, and this is where it becomes a pick your poison thing. If you double LeBron, the dude is so smart and an unbelievable passer. He's leading the league in assists this year. He's just going to throw darts to other guys and they're going to have open shots because you doubled and he can make that right pass. And you saw it in the fourth quarter. They doubled him in a rare time and then he just threw a laser to Kyle Kuzma and Kuzma drained the three. But Kuzma shoots thirty under 32% from three on the season going into this game. I'll live with a Kuzma three or instead of LeBron doing whatever it was he was doing to this team. It's my personal opinion on this. I can understand if you want to d- deal with the flip side of it and go, no, we'll, we'll be fine with him driving so we're not giving up threes. But it clearly didn't work in this game. It clearly didn't work the other night either in Los Angeles. Again, it is very much a pick-your-poison type of thing. He's going to make the right passes. But if you're okay with those guys beating you, you know, I'm okay with it when the Lakers are the 15th best three-point shooting team in the league. They're not number one. They're not in the top 10. I'd rather take my chances with that than LeBron just kind of doing what he wanted. Now, they threw both looks at him, and LeBron had 13 assists in this one to go with 12 rebounds. 34, uh, 12, and 13 is a very good stat line. Um, And it didn't work. And Alvin Gentry said after the game, you know, at times we were doubling him. And you don't want to employ one single strategy against him the whole game. You want to blitz him at times and at other times not let him. But I just don't want the ball in LeBron's hands. Get it out. And if Kuzma hits threes, Kuzma hits threes. And you're like, well, we held LeBron James down and Kuzma doesn't normally do this. So cool. Kuzma, by the way, two of eight from three in this game. 25%. Let that dude take threes instead of LeBron James at the rim. That's all I'm saying. But again, it didn't work out because he had 13 assists and other guys were scoring. LeBron is really good on this one. And Alvin Gentry gave some very good insight into this after saying, LeBron knew we were doubling him. Anytime he dribbled the ball, we were going to send a guy to him. So he would dribble the ball but stand in place to draw a defender and then just know he was going to pass the ball. You have to be very, a very sound defensive team, a very smart defensive team to really kind of neutralize LeBron James. This team's not there yet, and I think that's kind of part of it. Basketball IQ. Anticipate that he is going to run through a bunch of screens, which they do for him to try and hunt a mismatch, and you've got to switch ahead of that. It's a pre-switch for the actual switch so that when there is a switch, well, then you switch the right guy onto him. It's a lot of, you know, X's and O's and chess pieces here in play, and it takes a smart team to do it. And it's okay that the Pelicans aren't that. They're a young team. They're an improving team. They shouldn't be perfect right now. And guys who weren't perfect on the night, defensively, Zion, they were hunting him at times. He had a target on his back, and the Lakers were going at him over and over and over again. Scored a team-high 35 points. He was a team-worst minus 10 
in this game in terms of plus minus because he was such a liability on the defensive side of the ball and the Lakers had a very good game plan to come at him to try and get easy buckets, particularly when times he doesn't move his feet as well on defense. And against quicker guys, he's good against AD. Against other guys, less so. And they were really looking to try and get him in trouble, and they did. 35 points, but minus 10 when no one else even uh, touched that number, I think is pretty telling. The other thing that's kind of interesting is... You know, they didn't put Drew Holiday on LeBron nearly as much as they did in the game before. And I said a lot of that might have to do with, you know, when he gives so much energy on the defensive side of the ball, he he struggles offensively. We know this. And, well, so you took him off LeBron to kind of let him do a bunch of things offensively, and he shot four of ten, two of five from three for 11 points on the night with six assists. Like he just wasn't nearly as aggressive as he should have been. And if you have that energy to play offense, you've got to do better than this in a big game where, you know, your playoff life doesn't depend on it, but it certainly really does matter. It was kind of disappointing to see that you gave him, you, you tried to make this much easier for him offensively and he did not rise to the occasion. Great dude, great teammate, great player, and I don't want to run him off the team because of this, but that's a little bit eye-opening and a little bit concerning. The other concerning thing is Brandon Ingram. Like, woof, is did he have a bad game in this one? 15 points on the night, but 5 of 23 shooting. Now, some of that probably had to do with him trying to guard LeBron a whole lot, and you just can't bring it offensively with that. But he was 1 of 9 from 3 in this game. He shot 21.7% overall. The, you know, for the past two games when he said he and Zion coexisted well, this is a game where he didn't. And that had a lot to do with Favors out there on the court. And Favors was good. He put up 12 and 14 in this one, including nine offensive rebounds, giving you second chance points. He was very good. But some of the spacing with the starters is really concerning. You saw when Nicolo Melli came in, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow. The offense looked different in Everyone kind of feasted, and Melly just being a shooter like he is, even though he was one of seven in this one, and the Pelican shot 22% from three, you know, he opens up a lot, and that spacing more than ever we can see is very important to this Pelicans roster. So it was just not a good night against the Lakers, and you were still pretty close for the most part, which is an encouraging sign. But again, you're at the point of the season where you can't really take many moral victories from this. There was no Anthony Davis in there. Brandon Ingram cannot have just 15 points on 5 of 23 shooting and 1 of 9 from deep. Drew Holiday needs to give you more than 11. They're not to blame for the loss. No one's got the single blame for the loss. That's not good. And in a big game, when you need those guys to step up and Zion's doing what he can, at least offensively, you need more. It's as simple as that. Full stop. And they weren't able to deliver that. Does that mean we have questions about Ingram and Zion long-term? Maybe, maybe not. About Drew Holiday long-term? Maybe, maybe not. And that's up to you to make your own individual decision on that. But this is a bit eye-opening. It also could just mean the Lakers are really freaking good. And when LeBron's doing things like this, like you're just not beating them. That's part of it. There's a reason they are a title favorite right now. Maybe not the favorite, but one of the favorites and why they're the best team in the Western Conference. And they showed you just what they can do because LeBron's amazing, even without Anthony Davis. So it's a frustrating night overall, but we needed to talk about the defense on it. Again, it's probably just a pick-your-poison thing. You double him, you're going to potentially get burned from three. Potentially, I say. 
If you don't and just let him score on you, you're definitely going to give up points that way. I like the double or at least kind of mixing it up. And at least the Pelicans tried something different by throwing Ingram on him. But clearly not the way to go. And the Pelicans fall to the Lakers by 8, 122-114, ending this week and taking a slight dent to their playoff chances now three games back of the Memphis Grizzlies. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts from. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. We'll be back with you all tomorrow. 